Hello everybody, my name is Sophie and this is Basically I'm Fucked, a show for my friends and I to talk about mental health. Today's guest is my lovely boyfriend, Will. Hello everybody, I'm Will Margulis. I am the quote-unquote lovely boyfriend of Sophie McAfee, who is my quote-unquote lovely girlfriend. Um, no quotes for lovely girlfriend, obviously. Um, Sophie, what are we going to be talking about today? Today we are going to be talking about coping mechanisms. Ah. So I guess we'll get straight into the questions. What are your preferred coping mechanisms? I think my uh, most preferred coping mechanism would have to be uh, self-talk, which is not only a a coping mechanism for me, but just something I I do on the regular. Um, That's really the one that stands out most for me. Um, I would say... Uh, I, I like to cook a lot, um, and I'm sometimes able to kind of distract myself by cooking. Um, also, I, I think my procrastination is a form of a coping method, although it uh, is not a good coping method because it often results in more problems than solutions. Uh, but I think if I had to pick a, a big one, it would be self-talk. What about you? Um, my preferred coping mechanisms are mostly sleeping, uh, changing my hair a lot, right, and collecting items, as you know, squishmallows, crystals, little trinkets. Um, I suppose the sleeping coping mechanism can be both good and bad. Um, it can be good in the fact that it's a good escape for the evening, but it's also, it can overtake part of your life. Um, so I guess we'll funnel into my next question. How long have you been using self-talk as a choice coping mechanism? Self-talk, it's difficult to say how long I've been using that. I, I think, um, it's hard to say because I kind of naturally discovered how, uh, well self-talk, uh, affects, uh, my mental health. Um, I didn't, you know, read an article about it or, uh, get recommended to do it by a therapist or any anybody um i just eventually figured out that if i told myself i look good and i told myself i felt good and i told myself i was good then i would eventually start to feel all those things um but i'd say if i had to ballpark it uh i probably started somewhere uh in like lower school like fifth fourth grade something like that what about you Well, obviously I've been sleeping my whole life, Um, (laughs) but... Oh my God, same. (laughs) Oh, wow. Wow. (laughs) But I guess sleeping excessively as like a coping mechanism, like during the day, like taking naps and going to bed later and sleeping longer during the day sort of started mostly during quarantine, actually, because I had the less structure than in-person school as online school. I could sleep for more of the day. And I could just stay up all night. And it didn't really matter because I wasn't getting up at 6 a.m. That makes sense. For school the next morning. My next question for you, Will, is what is the best coping mechanism you have ever tried? Um, I, I think it would be self-talk. I mean, I haven't try, explicitly tried that many. Um, I think I, I've definitely tried a few other ones mostly uh forms of escapism so just um 
like I said, cooking or when I used to have time to uh, playing video games. Um, when I think of how my mental state was when I was younger compared to uh, how many video games or how, how much time I spent playing video games when I was younger and how I felt when I was playing video games versus not playing video games. I think video games definitely was a coping mechanism. And I think it was actually a pretty good one because I still have a ton of love for video games. Um, I just don't have as much time to play them anymore. But um, I would say either the escapism of video games or self-talk, but the effects of self-talk are much more uh, lingering. The positive effects are much more lingering than um, video games. So I definitely say self-talk. Awesome. My personal favorite, I've got to say, is my friend Evan taught me this one. We would go to Goodwill and we would buy plates, cups, anything ceramic or glass. And then we would drive to the nearest railway track and we would stand on the tracks and smash plates and scream bloody murder. And if anybody heard that going on, it's a miracle nobody called 911 between the sound of smashing glass and screaming, but it's one of the best coping mechanisms I've ever learned for getting emotions out and getting your feelings out. I mean, it was a little bit of a cleanup, mm -hmm. and I'm sure we did accidentally leave some pieces, so maybe we should have put them in, like, plastic bags or something, <laughs> but we really were not thinking about that in the moment. That's interesting, because there's uh, there's been uh, a decent amount of research on how venting works, and in a lot of studies, or at least one study, but we learned it in a class, so a study that is seemingly indicative of a, the larger field, um, found out that venting has actually, uh, it, at least physical venting, in this experiment it was like a punching bag or something. Um, they would like give a punching bag mm -hmm. and say, hey, punch this bag, and then come back, and then they saw how much aggression they displayed. Mm -hmm. um, the punching bag condition displayed the most aggression and the the other condition where um they just sat them in the room and said sit here for two minutes and then come back and then measured their aggression displayed the least so not that venting doesn't uh work in any case um and your your guys's venting was clearly a bit different because it was you know uh, smashing things which is like satisfying and, and stuff like that but um it's interesting. Yes, I very much recommend screaming as a coping mechanism. Don't do it in an apartment building or a dorm. Yeah. Like, don't have your neighbors call 911 because they hear screaming down the hall or something. But somewhere private, like your car, yeah. maybe, depending on how soundproof your car is. Screaming into a pillow works. Screaming into a pillow works very well. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, my final question for you is, have you ever experienced a coping mechanism that you can't control? Like your body has gone into <laughs> autopilot and you can't stop it. Uh, well, like I said earlier, procrastination. Um, I've been a chronic procrastinator since freshman year of high school. So that's, oh my God, is that six years? Jesus Christ. That's terrifying. Um, yeah, six years. Um, I have not stopped. I am... How many things am I procrastinating on right now? At least three, possibly four assignments. Um, yeah, I am very much not in control of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's my answer. It's tough. It's hard. 
What about you? We are moving into sort of my area of expertise when it comes to involuntary coping mechanisms, which are usually a lot of the times related to trauma. Um, So a lot of the coping mechanisms that I can't control would be I scratch on my hands when I'm nervous and I don't notice it and I just can't stop it. The other major one that like affected my education a lot, which I'm surprised that I never dealt with this or did anything with this, I would just zone out. Like I would start staring at like an electrical plug or something in the classroom at like five minutes into the period and then like two minutes later, like the bell would ring and I'll have like missed the entire class period mm-hmm. for no reason. Yeah. That's really interesting. I, I think it's, this is a totally a personal theory. I don't know if there's any research at all on this, but I think, I mean, it's intuitive, so whatever. I think the the systems we inhabit are way more important than we give credit for in terms of our behaviors. Um, because when I think about uh, my procrastination, for example, um, I feel as though one of the reasons why I have continued to do it for so and so and so long is because I have never experienced failure because of it. Um, That also has a lot to do with the idea of like uh, purposefully diminishing uh, your preparation so that when your results are not exactly what you want, you have a built-in excuse. That's also a big part of it. But another big part of it is I've never failed a class because of procrastination. I've never even failed a test because of procrastination. I am, I am in college. I am doing well in college. I got all A's last semester being a chronic procrastinator. Um, and the format of school is what's really important for that because it uh, you know, tries to categorize your learning and uh, uh, learning ability and uh, producing ability, reproducing of information under this letter grade. And as long as I get the good letter grades, I have no reason to stop doing what I'm doing. Um, and I think about that with yours too, with the hand scratching thing. If we lived in a world where gloves were required, maybe that would change. Mm-hmm. But I, I can say as a procrastinator who has failed many times due mm-hmm. to my procrastination, <laughs> it doesn't go away. <laughs> it doesn't go away. I can't tell you how many tests I failed, Mm -hmm. how many assignments just didn't get turned in. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, oh, I'll do that later. And then my teacher was like, no, no late work. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Failed entire semesters because teachers were like, no, I'm not letting you. Right. Like, I've got zero assignments in the grade book. And they're like, oh, okay. That's okay with me. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's, It's permissible a lot of the times. And it... Shouldn't be. Like, I wish somebody would punish me. And nobody does. Well, on that note, I think we should wrap up the first episode of Basically I'm Fucked. All right. That has been the coping conversation with Will. It was nice to have you. Thank you so much for having me on your pilot episode. I really appreciate this special opportunity. Well, goodbye, folks. See you next time.